Hey there, Mavs fans. This is Rolando Blackman. You're listening to Numbers on the Boards with Bobby Corrala and Jeff Skin Wade. Hello and welcome to another episode of Numbers on the Boards. My name is Bobby Corrella. I'm from Mavs.com. Joining me today is a guy who's from all over the place who is still waiting on his pre-draft workout invite yes. from the guys next door. He is Jeff Skin Wade. Hello, Bobby. How the heck are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Man, I'm getting giddy. Uh, we, you know, we, when we were podcasting uh, last week, I was sort of still in the uh, aftershock of where the Mavericks are drafting, and now like I've been thinking about it for a week or so nonstop, and I'm really kind of settling into not only what we're possibly going to be able to grab at five, but also the trade possibilities, the top of the second round. Uh, I'm getting to the point now where I'm no longer – it's like not a just – I'm not overwhelmed. I'm just like giddy. Mm. You know, I just like I can't wait to get to the draft and see what the next step is. And then, what, 10 days later we're in free agency. I'm just I'm, – I'm very excited at this point about the direction we're going. Yeah, we are four weeks away to the day. To the day. Draft. Yeah, we're recording this on a Thursday. What's up? Draft is coming June 21st. It is going to be a big day. And then, like you said, yeah, 10 days after that is free agency. I think the moratorium ends on July 4th this year, too. So It's very short. That's right. Yeah, so the dominoes will start falling very quickly. Love dominoes. And then, yeah, the the pizza or the game? The game. I okay. like to play it with Ice Cube. Oh, oh wow. The, the, I might have just made that last the, part the up. The person or the substance? The, the person. Oh, okay. There is a uh, – there's <laughs> – Ben always brings up the scene from, uh, I guess that's Boys in the Hood, where he slams and goes, Domino's mother. <laughs> and he always, Ben always thought that would be a really good uh, marketing campaign for Domino's Pizza to have oh, Ice Cube yeah. show up at your door and go, Domino's mother. And bleep. just slam it down on your table. Yeah, and for those nice of you that don't plate. know, Ben is Ben Rogers of the Ben and Skin Show. Mm-hmm. I'm half of that show. There's not a whole lot of skins walking around. Where can there. you find that show, Skin? 105.3 The Fan. We're on 3 to 7 weekdays. We encourage you to join us for all your DFW sports talk, and we talk a lot of Mavs. We had a Dirk on a couple days ago. Yeah, you did. Yeah, man. You did, and they can find that at uh, at Ben and Skin Podcast, I yeah, think, on Twitter. Yeah, on the right? Twitter, at Ben and Skin. We, have, uh, we did two segments with him and edited out the commercials so you can just listen to the whole thing. And Dirk tells great stories about people make fun of him, that when he gets his pot belly, he's going to look like Nelly, and uh, talks about raising his kids and how he feels. And any and all things Dirk, we're always ready to consume. So if you have not... Hell, you're already in podcasting mode right now. You're already listening to one. As soon as you finish this one, I encourage you to go download that one. Yeah, and this is going to be a Fast and Furious podcast today, yeah. Skin, so buckle up. Just like up. Dom. Yeah, real quick, before we get going here, uh, part of the reason that Dirk was on your show, I'm sure, was to help promote his Hero Celebrity Baseball game coming up. Yeah, now, uh, since uh, Hero started with Mike Madonna and the Heroes guys, and then Mike Madonna handed it off to Dirk, and since Dirk and the Heroes folks have partnered with my radio station, 105.3 The Fan, we've sold out every game. Dude, And awesome. so, uh, I think... I think we're we're about through what have we two we're two weeks and one day out yeah. from heroes and I know that over forty five hundred tickets have been sold Woo. and usually there's a, a late rush mm-hmm. and then they sell out and you can't get in. Yeah. So I highly encourage all of you. There's all kinds of links. I know at our station we're one oh five three thefan.com slash dirk. That's a place to go get tickets. You can get it through different Ticket sites. You can get them on Mavs.com, TicketReturn.com. Mavs.com, yeah, absolutely. So we're just telling you, I don't care where you go to get it, just go get it. It's one of the best nights of the year. Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Vaughn Miller, Demarcus Ware, Sean Lee, Harrison Walker, man. Herschel Walker, Harrison Barnes. I'm excited to see what kind of baseball player Dennis Smith Jr. is. And one of our all-time favorite Mav guys is Devin Harris. And, and he will be there. He's back, and he's a good infielder. He's yep. a 
really good infielder. Yeah, so Dwight Powell, uh, he he MVP two didn't years he? ago. He got the MVP. Yeah. yeah, he made an incredible play in the field. Yeah, what and a then, freak athlete. Yeah, yeah, Salo, who wasn't aware that second base, like you had to stop at the base. But <laughs> he ran through it like it was first. Yeah, <laughs> but there's there's quite the list. Uh, the Hero Celebrity account just tweeted out the list earlier this morning. In addition to all the Cowboys, like Skin said. You got Barnes, you got Dennis Smith Jr., you got Kyle Collinsworth, Yogi Ferrell, Dorian Finney-Smith, Devin Harris, Jalen Jones, Maxi Kleber, Wesley Matthews, Solomon Measury, Dwight Powell. So there is a lot and, and, of Mavs. And, and let me say and this. And Mark Cuban, too. Oh, of course, Cuban, Carlisle. Yep. So Dirk told us this off-air. Okay. So I'm not going to say the names. Oh, so you got some are, exclusives. there are two very high-profile people he is working on getting. They're not confirmed but he's putting out the Dirk Bat signal to those high-profile guys. Denzel Washington and LeBron James. You nailed it. Okay. Whoa, right, so LeBron's it. not in the finals, huh? Uh, that's a day off. Probably, oh, is that okay? Right? Yeah, well, maybe. Making stuff I don't up. know. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> that's my, yeah, the Cavs yeah. are going down. No, yeah. just kidding. Uh, okay, Skin. Yeah. Uh, we've talked enough about the draft, man. Let's talk about it a little more. Okay. So uh, all of our draft talk, by the way, is presented by Five Miles. It's a local app, actually, Dallas-based company. You can go on, buy, and sell um, different items that you own quickly, easily, online. Uh, Skin, I know you have an account, and you cannot stop buying stuff. You've really got to I'm buying off. stuff right now as we talk. Yeah, and you have to Oh, pay, my gosh, no, look at this bedpost. No, pay attention to me. Okay, sorry. Me. Okay. sorry, sorry. I'm bring, sorry. Bring I'm dialing. I'm dialing. Okay, so last episode, which you could find still on Mavs.com and everywhere else the podcast are found, I believe, uh, we talked about some of the players that are going to be at the top of the first round. So the Mavs mm -hmm. had the fifth overall pick. But they also have the number 33 pick in the second round, so the third pick in the second round. And usually around here, really for the last 15, 20 years, the Mavericks have not had high picks in the second round. They've always been down below 45, 50, 55. And down there it is very difficult to find players but it the just, last time they had a pick there they found a player jay crowder right jay crowder was that the last time we had a second round pick that high uh number 35 yeah that was 2012 it was him and bernard number 34, james yeah yeah him and bernard james and then also right around that time draymond green was drafted so yeah that draymond was, a, was the pick right after crowder yeah so uh that was a good uh, a good early second round flurry yeah, for there. sure yeah for sure and uh but generally and the mavs have number 54 too this year they got that from portland unfortunately portland went on a tear to end the year so huh. that pick ended up dropping a few spots but uh, they will have that pick. But for the uh, purpose of this conversation, Skin, mm -hmm. uh, I want to bring up a couple names. And it's very difficult to project guys that are going to be there at 33. It's much easier to do that at number five because right. we all know who the 10 best players are. But so much of what happens at the end of the first round and the beginning to the middle of the second round is based not only on team need, but also uh, there are a lot of trades. Teams will randomly buy picks. Right. Teams will trade two second-rounders to move up three spots. There's just always all sorts of zany things that happen. Teams are drafting stash guys. So you have no idea who's going to be there. But uh, in my very uh, unofficial, um, you know, kind of skimming through draft lists and also just knowing from watching games and all that stuff, here's kind of a list of some guys that I have – uh, maybe earmarked as potential guys that I would be interested in in talking about with okay, you. Okay, um, let's do it. And uh, we can we can fire off some hot takes. So uh, first up, man, uh, Jacob Evans from Cincinnati. <laughs> He's a wing, uh, experienced guy. He was kind of the linchpin of their defense. They ranked number one in D1 in, in defensive points per possession allowed at 0 0.753. Okay, so number one in D1, which in basketball is, I think, 350 schools or something. Right. They were also number eight among the 1,496 schools that recorded a single possession against a D1 team or D2 or D3. Wow. So, like, 
they were like elite, elite, elite. That's some elite lockdown defense. stuff right yeah. there, yeah. Yeah, and Jacob Evans was a big part of that. He was probably their best player, uh, projects as kind of a 3 and D guy, can share the ball a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Now let me uh, end. So the year that we got Dorian Finney-Smith as an undrafted guy, I know that we were considering him at the second-round pick. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know he was one of the guys in consideration. Yeah, and they had they had like 46 that year, I think. Yes. A.J. Hammonds. Was yes, Hammonds was the guy. Um so uh, it, one thing that's interesting is if you look, go and bounce to all the different mock draft sites, it seems very, very apparent that unless there's some foreign dude that we know nothing about and you're starting it off here, doesn't it seem very apparent that we're likely to draft some sort of guard or wing here based yeah, I mean, on I guess how these guys are grouped together? Yeah, it depends. I mean, the Mavericks do definitely need wing help. Um, I don't know if it – I mean, if you draft a big man in the first round, you're probably more likely to go wing, whereas sure. the opposite is probably true as well. So, Or, or you know, a lot of times – I mean, I don't disagree with that sentiment, but a lot of times it's just that's where those players are ranked. Yeah, that's, that's and, true. And one thing that's kind of interesting to me too that I've thought about is like, you know, the so we go to these different mock draft sites, but those are not created by teams. No, absolutely not. You know, and so it's a lot of times it's like, okay, so we'll go, hey, look at these 10 guys that are all ranked from 25 to 35. Mm-hmm. And the Mavericks may go, yeah, we don't like any of those guys. We like this dude from over here that somebody ranked 55. Mm-hmm. Um, but just based on where these groupings of players are, I think we're going to get some sort of a wing-type player. Not even a point guard, a wing-type player. And I think is we break these guys down, you have really skilled offensive guys and really skilled defensive guys. Yeah, and clearly he that. falls into the latter. And so it's like from a need standpoint, you, you need to draft the best player. But if you get into that need standpoint, do they sort of look at what they already have and go, we would rather draft an offensive-minded guy than a defensive-minded guy? Yeah, that's really kind of the preference. Yeah. Um, and, and in that way, I mean, given kind of the state of their roster, and I was going to ask you about that a little later, but I suppose we can address that now before we start talking about these guys. Um, your only players that are guaranteed for next season, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. for the Mavericks right now are Harrison Barnes, Dennis Smith Jr., Wesley Matthews, Dwight Powell, J.J. Barea, and basically Dirk. Right. His contract is an option. He said he's coming back, so one way or the, uh, the another, he, he will be here. Yeah. Everybody else, that includes – Jalen Jones, Jonathan Motley, Kyle Collinsworth, Maxi Kaliba, Dorian Finney-Smith, Yogi Ferrell, Doug McDermott, and then a bunch of big guys, Solomon Mejri, Nerlens Noel, and then, of course, uh, Aaron Harrison and Seth Curry, who I want to talk to you about later, yep, too. Yep. All of them are either team option or free agent. Right, and then some of them are restricted free agents, right? Yeah. Uh, like Doug McDermott, for example. And Yogi as well. Uh, right, and so it's like if they go out onto the market and sign somewhere else, we can match that deal if we want. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I think I think you bring up a very good point though. It's like we're because there are so many spaces potentially mm-hmm. the Mavericks aren't beholden to we've got to get an offensive minded guy at 33 no, 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 or no. or whatever. It is it's a great point. It is very wide open. I think one of the like key disappointments for me this year is I was very much excited about the development of Dorian Finney. Same, man, same. And so a lot of that was robbed from us. What he play? I think he played 81 games as a rookie. He played 81. I led mean, the, led the team in games. It was like third in minutes as an undrafted rookie. And the good thing about it too is people go, "Oh, that's lucky." No, it's not. They can highly, highly consider drafting him in the second round, as I said earlier. So that's targeting a guy, knowing we can develop him into something. And I personally thought that the uh, jump in whatever you want to say, confidence plus mechanics plus approach in his 
jumper from year one to year two was astounding. Yeah. And then his year was yanked away. Yeah. So that was – the Seth Curry was a disappointment. I'm, I'm not talking about wins and losses. I'm talking about player development. Mm. The Seth Curry was a setback, obviously, and the Dorian Finney-Smith. Those were two huge disappointments for me because I like both players a lot. Uh, I think we sort of made up for it by the acquisition of Doug McDermott. Mm. To me – Unless someone, and if you just kind of go out there and look at who has free agent money and the way the market's been going, I'm about 99% sure Doug McDermott is back. I think the likelihood that someone goes on a spending spree for Doug McDermott, hey, if he can get it, God bless him, congratulations. But I think he'll come back here. I think he wants to come back here, and I think it'll be uh, whatever you want to use the phrase, team-friendly deal. Not one that they go, oh, my God, this cripples our cap space. I think, I mean, I consider him back. That's the way I look at this. Anything can happen in free agency. Um, I personally would hope so. I mean, he told us. He's very us. good, man, and, and he said many times he loves being here. He loves he being here. Playing, we did he uh, love playing for Carlisle. So, when, yeah, when he, when he had one of his 20-point games and we won, uh, we interviewed him uh, for the Fox Sports Southwest postgame show. I interviewed him. And I was saying – and so I had watched him play – a little bit. I don't watch every NBA game, but I'd seen him in all three stops. And my thought on him was that guy's standing around waiting for something to happen. And so I had preconceived notions of what he was when he got here. When he got here, I was immediately like, oh, my God, look at how good that guy is off the ball. That's awesome. And so we're doing the interview, and I'm like, so are you being used in ways that you haven't been used? And he pretty much cut me off. I was like, oh, my God, absolutely. He's like, when we played against Dallas, I was envious because I knew what I would be able to do in their system. It's crazy. And we talk about system all the time. How does a guy fit into your system? And so Doug McDermott, he's not – I'm not sitting here going, man, he's incredible, but he's got a lot of untapped potential and valuable skill sets that we're wasting away in other players and other places, not because those places are bad. It's because their systems didn't utilize him to his potential. Ours does. Mm. It's identified. You've seen the obvious – was he top three in the NBA in three-point percentage after the trade deadline? Uh, I want to say number one, although okay. I think the last two or three games he kind of – he dropped a couple points. But, but he was like around 50% for yeah. his entire tenure. Which is outrageous yeah. and awesome and a fit. Yeah. So that's a good example of – you know, and the other thing too is the Mavericks had a stretch where they did horrible drafting for a number of years in that – you know, they trade. They did for a lot of reasons. They traded assets for Jason Kidd, for example, or mm. they traded assets for Rondo, or these different moves to try to keep the window open. And so the downside is you don't have good young players. Since all that went away, with the acquisition of Nerlens Noel, Harrison Barnes, Doug McDermott, and Dennis Smith Jr. and Dwight Powell too, and Dwight Powell too. But I want to say specifically without Dwight for this reason. Okay, that is the acquisition of four guys, twenty six or younger, that were lottery picks. There you go. That's a massive shift, and we have nothing in our cupboard to, hey, look at our full cupboard. Yep. So Donnie and Mark and Rick have done an amazing job of, okay, we're in a different stage. Let's assemble. And I don't know if New Orleans is going to be back. I, I don't know if Doug's going to be back. Uh, obviously, Harrison and, and Dennis will be back. But my whole point is they've done quite a bit to make up for what happened in the previous four to five years where they didn't have good young talent coming in. Yeah, for sure. And then – Add Dwight in there, and then Rick has said many times that, you know, as, as the years go by, you'll look back on the 2016 draft and say that Finney Smith and Farrell should have been first-rounders. They should have. Neither one drafted. Yep. Yogi was undrafted, right? Yogi was undrafted. He was undrafted, but yes. signed with Brooklyn, and then yes. got cut. Yeah. 
and was considering a career in Russia. How man. about that? And then, like, a day later, the Mavs called. Crazy. Crazy how things happen. So, anyway, that was a very long way of saying, I think we both agree, that whoever they take at 33, because the team is so focused on development right now, mm-hmm. there's a chance that that player is going to have a chance of playing time right away. I if not right. here, then certainly plenty of time with the Legends, probably both. Mm-hmm. I would think it'll be kind of an up-and-down thing. And same goes for number 54. But I think at number 33, your odds of getting a, a pro-ready player are higher, yep. especially if you go with more of an upperclassman-style guy. The mm-hmm. Mavericks have had a lot of success developing players, period, but more specifically guys that played multiple years in college. I think to your point, too, exactly what you're saying, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I remember Jay Crowder getting minutes as a rookie. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, this is a different situation than that team, but I think what you're talking about is exactly right. Upperclassmen, uh, you know, high second-round pick, fit a need, got some minutes. Definitely, Our, yeah. This is going to be a bigger version of that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's if people want to look at sort of like a – you know, a role model for the way that works. The Jay Crowder example is a very good role model of that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, without knowing too much about Evans's game, and really, I didn't know a lot about Crowder's game coming out of Marquette. I, knew I do about it. I do now. Obviously, I haven't yeah. watched him play for so many years. But Evans is very similar to Crowder in yeah. that he's kind of a, a a rugged guy, plays bigger than he is, really good defender, can shoot a little bit, handle the ball a little bit. So he kind of does fit that Crowder archetype coming from similar programs yeah similar parts of the country too. match up and yeah yeah it's a it's a blue collar style playing defense like that um another guy or actually two more guys who are kind of like that although they play guard uh these are more defensive oriented uh veteran guys both i believe four-year players javon carter from west virginia and Devontae graham from kansas Devontae graham i believe is your big 12 player of the year this year i don't know that for sure but i mean obviously people watched him in the tournament most people don't watch college basketball they do watch the tournament and they saw him shine in the tournament interesting that you brought up a west virginia guy as we're talking about cincinnati and Mm. we're talking about where jay came from i mean these are all in a similar mode now west virginia some of their teams got up and down the floor quite a bit. Yeah, they, uh, do, they press a lot. They press a lot. Yeah. But I think that, you know, the type of athletes that you're looking for to execute those sort of things fit into the mold of what we're talking about. Yeah, for sure. And uh, both those guys, Carter and Graham, are point guards. Uh, Graham has a big fan in uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Is that right? Yeah. What is their connection? Uh, I, I don't know, to be honest. I really don't know. I don't know if, if uh, Devontae is from North Carolina, but I know that during the tournament, Dennis uh, shouted him out a couple times. Right. I believe Kansas was in the Final Four, right? Yes. They played they had against that incredible uh, game Villanova. Against, yeah, they had that incredible game against Duke yeah. uh, to get there. That was one of the best college basketball games of the year, going into overtime. And, of course, I'm very dialed in because at that point I'm thinking a lottery pick seems very likely. Oh, look at these guys. Yeah. Uh, that was a phenomenal game. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's a great game. And then they kind of ran into the Villanova buzzsaw. Who doesn't, right? Yeah. And hey, as we talk about the Villanova buzzsaw, I'm trying to, sorry to jump around on you, but there's a couple of Villanova guards that may be there early yeah. in the second round. Yeah, so uh, Jalen Brunson, who's the point guard, he kind of ran the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's He reminds me of J.J. Barea just because he is kind of a pick-and-roll guy. He, he's a, a Physically little bigger. strong. Yeah, he's, he's a little bigger, a little taller right. than, than J.J., but he's very much a give-him-the-ball Give him, put him in space. He's not going to overwhelm you with athleticism, but he's just smart. He sees the floor. He really feels the game very well. Do you want a fun Jalen Brunson story? Uh, yeah. Do you know who his dad is? Uh, yes, his Rick dad. Brunson, right? Rick Brunson. His dad played at. Do you know what college? I it's before know. your time, Bobby. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the University of North Texas. He played at Temple. Oh, okay. That's, was a very know. good player for Temple. Okay. Okay. So he was. I can't remember if he was a second round pick or undrafted. Mm-hmm. But back then, you know. Temple had a really good program. He was part of it. So there was a Temple grad, okay? I think he was a law student, 
And he wanted, he used to sit behind the bench of Temple Games and he wanted to get into the business. So his very first client, as he tried to be an agent, was Rick Brunson. Okay. And this agent, uh, as he's trying to get, he's got one client. That's all he's got. So he's focusing on this guy and he's trying to get him caught on with the team. And so he goes out. And I think Rick Brunson has a chance to be on the Golden State Warriors Summer League team, I believe. And so, and this is what, like late 90s? This or, is, or no, I late think, 80s, early yeah, 90s? Yeah, I think this would probably be early 90s. Early I don't 90s, have the okay. year in front of me, but I think this is early 90s, mid-90s. So he goes out with his one client and doesn't have a place to stay, this agent. So he ends up sleeping on the couch of a guy that works for the Warriors named Donnie Nelson. Wow. This agent went on to get more and more clients. And at one point, his biggest client was LeBron James. This agent is Leon Rose. Really? So when Leon Rose had one client in the NBA, it was Rick Brunson, the dad of Jalen Brunson. And as he was trying to get his client on with the team, he was sleeping on the couch of one Donnie Nelson. The world is very small. It's a small place. That is a great story. I thought you would dig that. Yeah, that is a great story. Uh, the other Villanova guard, Dante DiVincenzo, not guaranteed that he's coming out of the right. draft, might return to school. But he's kind of like a... Two-guard shooter, rebounder. You know who he reminds me of? I got another quick funny story. Okay. This blew my mind. Uh, So, you know, and this is a guy the Mavericks consider drafting, I believe, but Pat Connaughton of Portland. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, I kind of think there's some DiVincenzo comparisons a little bit. Yeah. So, this is right the day after Villanova won the championship. We played Portland the next day. Mm -hmm. Okay? And I'm standing there talking to some Mavs personnel. We're talking about whether or not – what kind of player DiVincenzo is going to be and should he come out and all these kinds of things. And Pat Connaughton's in the layup line. And he's standing there and I go, hey, man, this is going to sound weird. Uh, But I was talking to some people about DiVincenzo and I said that you reminded me of him. This is a guy that's already in the NBA. Mm. And his response was, oh, wow, thanks, man. That's really nice of you. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, dude, you're already in the NBA. That's a college kid. That's I don't. I thought he would be offended. Yeah, but he. I guess he had just watched him the night before, and because he had David Chin's who could be a big fan, man. He scored like thirty points. He was so good. Yeah, God, he was so good. And he's one of those classics. Not a true point guard. Mm. Too small to be a quote unquote two guard. But good God, the athleticism is off the charts. He's yep. a pick and roll guy, and when he gets hot, yeah, look out, big time shooter. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so that kind of is a natural bridge. Oh, one more defender. Sorry, Justin Jackson from Maryland, another upperclassman, 6'6", 7'3", wingspan. Could have come out last year, went back to school. Right. Um, Long wingspan. Long wingspan. 7'3", man. I mean, that's That's like most centers do not have that length. That's almost a Josh Howard-like. Yeah, (laughs) it really is. It's crazy. Uh, Okay, and then there's a few shooters, and these names will all be pretty familiar to you. Uh, If you watch any UCLA basketball or keep up with the NBA at all, you will recognize the name Aaron Holiday. Yes. Uh, He was a starting guard for them this year. Last year, whenever Lonzo was there, he came off the bench and played a little bit uh, combo guard kind Mm -hmm. of. And he's Uh, got two brothers in the NBA. Drew and uh, Justin. That played for the Bulls last. Is he still with the Bulls? Justin at least was on the Bulls. I don't know if he still is. And And obviously Drew Drew Holiday had an incredible playoff run. And the Mavericks were interested in him last summer when he was a free agent. First team all defense, too. And Aaron is not – he doesn't have the reputation as that kind of defender. I mean, being first team all all defense is incredible. So, like, not many players do. Uh, But he definitely can shoot 42.9% on threes last year, almost 83% from the free throw line. And NBA pedigree matters. And you can do the whole routine. Like, you sound like somebody's mother where if he's not playing defense, you go, why can't you be more like your brother? Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, no, that's uh, a – I think that if if he was there at 33, I'd be very happy with landing a player like that with that pedigree. Yep, yeah. Pedigree matters. Another guy with a pedigree probably is not – 
not projected to go that high, certainly. But uh, Giannis's younger brother, Costas Antetokounmpo from Dayton, seven mm-hmm. two wingspan, nine two standing reach, athletic. Right. He's got all the physical tools. I've seen some people speculate that the Bucks just go ahead and draft him just to keep Giannis happy. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's a free agent for another two years or yeah. something like that, but I guess it never hurts. Yeah, hey, hey, never hurts. Uh, and then one guy who I'm partial to just because of where he played, Mo Wagner from Michigan. Yes. Shot almost 40% from three. Definitely power forward. For them, he played more like center. Kind right. Of. I mean, they, you know, college is weird. He was also posting up a lot. I think of the NBA he projects more as like a pick-and-pop guy, spot-up. Absolutely. Kind of Ryan Anderson level of just big guy who can shoot yep. the crap out of it. I think that's a really good comp. And, you know, he's uh, it's going to be a struggle defensively for him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't move his feet well, uh, but he is a very good offensive player, mm. big-time producer in college. If you're out there looking around, and uh, we're speaking German now, his last name looks like it says Wagner, but he is Wagner. Mm. Um, uh, but I think a lot of people saw Michigan on their long run, so they probably saw him play quite a bit. He yeah. good. He yeah. good. Watch more Michigan hoops. And that is an example of a guy who improved a heck of a lot over the course of this season. Uh, okay, Skin, real quick, a uh, couple rapid-fire questions for you. Literally a couple, too. I know you have a lot of stuff to do today. Um, I sent out a tweet the other day saying, hey, we're doing a podcast. If you have any questions for us, what do you what do y'all want to hear? Well, I like um, this. Yeah. So um, one guy and this is actually a pretty topical story because I think it just the news just broke basically in the last couple of days. Uh, Jane Nobles, he's at Chucks and Cargos, asks us uh, about Melvin Hunt reportedly joining Lloyd Pierce's staff in Atlanta. What are oh. your thoughts on Melvin and what kind of what is the what is Atlanta gaining by hiring him? Uh, okay, Melvin's a, a sharp dude with a lot of NBA experience. I don't know how many of our uh, listeners know this, but he actually was an interim head coach in Denver. Mm-hmm. I think it was Denver, right? It was when, Denver. Yeah. And then the players loved him Melvin he was coaching in Denver. Yeah, Melvin is a really approachable guy. He's a really crafty guy. Um, and there's times where I go to him and he answers my questions. Um, I used to ask him a lot about defensive philosophy type stuff. Uh, but he's uh, he's a Baylor dude, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, family man, very likable guy. And I think that uh, you know, if if he leaves, it's a great opportunity for him. So I'm happy for him. Uh, one thing that we've seen, I mean, keep in mind, at one point the staff had three head coaches. When you look at Casey, who's in line for the Detroit job, is what the rumors are. Really, Dwayne Casey? Yes. Okay. And then uh, Stotts, obviously, still up in Portland. So when we lost those guys, we replaced them with good guys. And this is a a highly regarded organization. And so really, you know, they may bring somebody in from the outside or it's a chance for somebody that's been here for a while to move up the chain. But uh, Melvin is like – he, he's just a he's he's someone that one he's got a lot of knowledge but he's just got that magnetic personality he really does and I think that a coaching staff has to have like one of the great things about Daryl Armstrong for example is he has a completely different personality than Rick mm-hmm. like they couldn't be any more different <laughs> yeah, personality you're right about wise that. you're definitely and right so about that. you need personalities like like DA and like Melvin to offset the personality of a guy like Rick Mm. and vice versa. You can't have old guys with the personality of DA and, you know, you have to have that balance because what happens is, you know, players turn to different guys at different times. Ultimately the job is to build them up, educate them, put them in a position to succeed. And there's a lot of different ways to go about that. So, to me, when you say, what are we losing, Melvin, the first thing I think of is I think of a balance to a personality like Rick, mm-hmm. but also just the knowledge. He's been on a lot of NBA staffs. He's actually had the head clipboard at times. Yep. So, uh, in fact, here's a, a phrase I got from Melvin. We were talking about Devin Harris. I asked him before the game about Devin Harris coming back from injury. 
And, you know, what, is, what does Devin bring? He said, Devin brings a lot of corporate knowledge. And I loved that phrase because what he's talking about is he's so knowledgeable about our organization and everything that Rick wants to do that immediately your team gets smarter and more balanced and more adept to do what all the different things we need to do. And I feel like Melvin represents he brings a lot of corporate knowledge. Absolutely. So that's that's kind of what we're. Yeah, losing and just at. like you said, the charisma. I mean, he's a guy who's coached LeBron. So he's friends with the best players, in, or not friends, but you know what I mean. He's gained the respect of the best players in the NBA, and you can see that after any time a team plays the Mavs. Yes. Where do the opposing players go right away? They go to Melvin Hunt and Jamal right. Mosley. Just watch Those it. two guys are revered yes. by, by players all over the league. Yep. And uh, also Melvin will be on the court before a game, and he'll befriend the ushers in the States. So he, <laughs> yeah. he is just – I like your Jamal guy. comparison too. I don't know how many of our listeners know about Jamal Mosley, but he is uh, – He's one of my favorite people in the organization. Yeah, he's, no, he's a, a great, great guy. guy. He yeah. really is a great guy. And, uh, okay, so that is uh, Melvin Hunt going to Atlanta. Best of luck to him. Absolutely. Well. Um, okay, so this one is from uh, m.way210, uh, or mway210. m.way is the uh, username or whatever. Twitter is confusing. Um, and their question is, will the successful teams playing style – in the playoffs affect the way the Mavs will draft. So basically I think this is coming down to the kind of the thing about Gobert and Capella not being able to be on the floor. Does that yeah. mean big men are devalued? No, I, I, so here's – I think that right now this quote-unquote modern NBA that everybody talks about, there's exactly one team that plays it. I, who, are the, who are the teams that play it? Uh, Golden State. Who else? Uh, Golden State. Okay, do you know how you play this game? You play this game if you already have Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and you add Kevin Durant to it, yeah. and you have Clay Thompson. <laughs> yeah. Everyone is confu- and Andre Iguodala. Everyone is confusing perhaps the greatest NBA team of all time with, well, this is the way the game is played now. Yep. Okay, let me take you back in time. Let me take you back a long time ago, 2014. Okay? That is ages ago. Ages ago. I don't even remember that time. Do you know what happened? Three weeks before the Philadelphia 76ers drafted Joel Embiid? I, I don't. The Golden State Warriors hired Steve Kerr, okay? When they hired Steve Kerr the year before under Mark Jackson, they were last in the entire NBA in number of passes per team. Last. So this modern NBA happened in very short order, and you know what happens? It will change again. Absolutely. It's a constantly evolving game. So if you look at the greatest team of all time in a small window and go, well, this is it. This is what we're going to base all our decisions on. You as an organization will fail. You are about looking forward and figuring out how to play the best basketball. So you can sit here all you want and talk about the modern NBA. Meanwhile, I turn on my TV and the second best team in the league has Clint Capella on the floor the vast majority of the game. And let me ask you this. If you're just going to play wings, what are you going to do when you play New Orleans and you have no one to match up with Anthony Davis? What are you going to do when you play Philadelphia and you have nobody to match up with Embiid? I think you're going to take a lot of L's. You're going to take a lot of L's, son. The game is – the evolution is not let's get wings. The evolution is let's let everybody play at a high skill level. Small ball is not small ball because you want small players. Small ball is small ball is because oftentimes the best players are the highest skilled players. Yep. So what is evolving now is that you have bigs that are playmaking bigs. Are you trying to tell me that if you go 
go draft a 6'7 guy, you're going to be able to match up with Carl Anthony Towns? I don't think you are. The league is about drafting the best players, the highest skill level players, and creating mismatches. So it, you draft a big if you think the big can develop the skills to play the style of ball that you want to play. Mm-hmm. I would like to remind everybody that Golden State should have lost to Oklahoma City and their plethora of bigs. Okay. Steven Adams, Serge Ibaka was still on they that team. They kicked the their ass on the offensive glass. They beat Golden State up. Okay, so this anomaly of sports that is Golden State, if your plan is to just recreate that, your plan will fail because that is an absolute miracle that that occurred. And it took a seismic shift in cap space while Steph Curry was already underpaid. It was a miracle that that thing was able to be put into place. And let me remind everybody that LeBron James did in his own championship because the NBA wanted to roll out this seismic shift in cap space over a number of seasons, and LeBron said no. And so as part of the head of the union. Mm-hmm. So is LeBron saying no? Okay, Golden State, here's cap space. Build the most unbeatable team ever. So thank you, LeBron. As you don't get another championship, you can thank your own ass because you're the one that allowed this seismic shift in cap space to allow the 70-win team to add Kevin frickin' Durant. That's your fault, LeBron. You can thank LeBron in person at Dirk's Heroes Celebrity Baseball Game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I will add to that, and that's not to say that it's a dumb question or anything. Like, no, not it's, at it's all. It's a very Absolutely. good question. Not. This is kind of the topic yes, du jour in, sure. in, in the NBA world right and now. And plenty of NBA people will disagree with everything absolutely. I just said. No, absolutely, for sure. But I do agree with you that it's, it's unfair to judge a style of play or a roster-building strategy whenever you're losing to the best team of all time. It's yes. just not fair. Right. It's like in the 90s, if you couldn't beat Michael Jordan, does that mean you're a flawed organization? Or does Boy, it just Utah sucked, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, dude, so we're watching a 65-win team have to play their best possible basketball to hang with Golden to State. To win by two. Yeah. Or three or whatever it ended right. up being. Yeah, basically, yeah. Golden State's about to win in six. Yeah, well, we'll see. That's why I call it the beginning, man, but winning game five on the road is going to be tough. Yep. Uh, so one thing I told Isaac Harris whenever I joined, that's our our, our teammate, our new yeah. guy, Isaac Harris. Isaac's whenever I was on Locked on Mavs, that's on today and tomorrow, uh, their podcast. We got to get him on our podcast, Let's do it. Way. I think that's a great idea. But uh, one thing I told him, because we, we kind of had this conversation too, kind of the same things along the line of what you just said. I said size wins in the regular season and skill wins in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If you have one but not the other, you're probably going to lose. But if you have a big guy with skill, you are going to be very, very good. So that is kind of the future. And I do think it's the future. It's not the present. Right now, there just aren't a lot of big guys, big skilled guys in their prime. I think Al Horford is one. He's big and skilled. He's a unicorn. He's a unicorn. But the Townses and Jokic, Embiid, Anthony Davis, they're all like 23. Yeah. So in five years, we're going to look up, and there's going to be a bunch of seven-footers in the NBA Finals, and you're going to, if you don't have one, you're right. not going to be able to hang with them. Remember all so. the, we've got to have a stretch four, got to have a stretch four. We're not even going to be talking about that anymore. We're going to be talking about playmaking bigs. Yep. That's where the game is going. That's what the evolution is, and you need to get a guy big enough with skills to combat that. Yeah, and I think a couple of years ago, kind of the thought was, well, KD and Giannis will play center. I don't think that will ever happen. I don't think LeBron will ever play center. I mean, maybe for like five minutes of a game, Mm -hmm. but I don't think Giannis is going to start a game at center. I think you need a big, burly dude to go down there and dominate people on the outside, dominate people on the inside. What was uh, did you you watch the game last night? 
the, no, the I did Cleveland not. Boston I did, game. I did not see that game. One of the key changes was putting Aaron Baines back in the starting lineup and Just having him bruise. go out there and beat it up. Yeah. I mean, it's like. You get Baines and Horford. I'd like to remind everybody that Golden State has Zaza and JaVale on their team. It is not about, I'm going to play this one style of basketball and be great at it. It is about not being able to be run out of the gym because you can't compete with somebody else because you can't adapt to what they're doing. Yeah, for sure. And in in five years, if you don't have one of those giant guys who can do everything, then mm-hmm. you're going to be trying to adapt to them, and it's going to be too late. Yep. Because you're going to be drafting a 19-year-old who won't be ready to take on those guys right. until they're retiring. Oh, and then That's guess the what? You the legal change again. The legal change again, yeah. So it's it's – I do do not, what you do at the highest level. Yeah, I do not envy GMs right now. It's tough. It, it is a very tough time. You're trying to compete with historically good uh, opponents, namely Golden State and LeBron. So do these modern NBA people not want Porzingis? I don't understand. I don't know. What, what is everybody saying with their words? What, I don't think they're thinking. I think they see an article and they just regurgitate this article without actually thinking through what they're saying. Yeah. I can give you a million examples of great bigs that are going to have huge impacts on the league, and you're overreacting because Golden State can play a lineup with Draymond at five. With like three if not for future Hall of Famers. Dude, it's the best a team of all time yeah. in the perfect era for what they do. Yeah. So it, you, you're you not going to recreate that. Yeah. You're and not. In, and if you try, so let's say teams pour in all of their resources to to match Golden State, whatever. They want to get seven – they want a team of 17 guys that are 6'6", right, mm-hmm. with long arms and quick and can shoot and handle the ball. But what happens in three or four years whenever everybody on Golden State's 30, 32, 33, 34, 35 years old, they're past their prime, they're losing in the second round of the playoffs, and now the next team, whatever, maybe Giannis's team. Right. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's the Celtics still with they, – they get a guy to replace Horford. I don't know. Five Celtics years from now, the NBA – Yeah. Five years from now, the NBA is going to look different. And if your team is designed to keep up with uh, the Warriors of the past – just like in the mid-thousands, if your team was designed to stop Shaq, well, Shaq was in the East now. Yeah. So you're chasing ghosts. Like, you're going to be looking old real quick. You have to have a vision for what – you have to have a system and a vision, and you have to get guys in place to perform at the highest level. Keep in mind, San Antonio, when the early part of their dominance was a grinded-out dual-post team, and then they got new players and they adapted to their new players. They became the most European, modern, yes. beautiful basketball playing team. And this is why Carlisle and Donnie and Cuban are so valuable because they're brilliant basketball minds. Yeah, well, look they back, can adapt. Sorry, I just yelled into the microphone. Look back 15 years ago, Rick's team was winning in the conference finals like 75 to 72. Mm-hmm. And now he's considered one of the best offensive coaches in the NBA. Right. So adapt like, to what you yeah, need to that's, adapt. That is the key. The key is not drafting size or drafting wings. Or You obviously want skill. You need good players to win. That's not breaking news. But you have to be able to keep up with the times. Think ahead. Find uh, what you believe in. Find your plan. Find your vision. Stick to it. Execute it. Absolutely. Yeah. And our plan, Skin, is to keep podcasting through this whole summer. Let's do it again next week, man. Yeah, how about that? Let's do it again next week. Thank you guys for listening to Numbers on the Boards. We will hit you with another episode soon. Until then, uh, we love Dirk. Always. Always.